I gotta say, one of my favorite parts of training on Zwift is the community. Whether it's riding with new people you meet on the platform or riding with old teammates, the people that Zwift connects you with push you harder than you could ever push yourself, let alone when it's just you on the trainer, in your garage, or your pain cave somewhere. My next favorite part is the training. Training is a huge part of Zwift. There are literally hundreds of customizable training plans you can choose from. And every workout is an immersive experience that can take you from Zwift's world-class climbs to the streets of London, New York, and even to a new Japanese-inspired world. Those are just a few of the nine unique worlds you can explore. Many times, I find myself just riding around, checking out the sights and seeing new little Easter eggs they've hidden in the game. When I'm riding on one of the UCI championship courses or in the jungle on the gravel roads or inside a volcano, I'm just taking it all in. Time seems to fly by, but I still manage to get a great workout in every time. If you want to compete in races that put your training to the test and see if you're headed in the right direction, you can. There's a new event starting every five minutes, including massive group rides, races for every category, and time trials. Right now, you can join the Fun is Fast event series with training rides, races, and thousands of other riders from around the world to chase. It's really never been easier to find your fun training indoors. I love it. All you need to get started is a bike, a trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Zwift, where fun is fast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bobby and Jens. My name is Bobby Julik, and as always, my trusted counterpart over there in Germany, Jens Vogt. Jensi, how you doing, buddy? Doing pretty well. Just came back from commentating on the tour of Spain, and in between that and being here with you, I had time to help my daughter with her home schoolwork, and I am so proud to announce mathematics class level 11 i was still able to help her so and i mean hey you know i'm 30 years out of school and i was still able to help her so i'm proud as you can imagine that i was still able to uh, have um, you know the ability to help her at uh, high school at mathematics Wow, I, I'm in shock. That's really impressive. I would not want to do any sort of equation right now. I forgot all those things. You know, I have my calculator, I have my, my phone, I asked Siri division problems. Um, so good on you, Yanzi. That's pretty, pretty darn good. Um, not much new here besides the fact that um, I had my last little daughter, daddy, date night with uh, my two girls, um, because my oldest, Olivia, will be going off to college here pretty soon. And um, last night, just hanging around the house, all of a sudden, my daughter comes up and goes, are you taking me to school in the morning? And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, our first day of school is tomorrow. That was a shocker. You know, that's like summer over. Like, where did this summer go? I mean, I mean it's just here and then gone. I mean, okay, I watched a lot of bike racing. There was tons of that on. 
Um, got a lot of work done, but man, I didn't really get to do much summer stuff, I guess. Um, just kind of shocked that it's over already. But uh, all in all, life goes on, you know, soon we'll be empty nesters. Uh, you'll be, you'll be uh, there a little bit longer because of you having the four daughters there at the end. But um, yeah, it's kind of a reality check when your oldest goes off to, to college. I mean, you've dealt with this already. Yeah, um, the two boys, uh, almost 26 and 22, they are at university, they study. Um, so yes, I have two kids already at university and uh, the little one, she is now fifth grade and she's just, uh, yeah, 10 years old. So she's going to be a few more times years at home. And if you calculate it, depends on from what angle you're coming. It could be a very good thing or actually a terrible thing. She is 10 years now. So let's say in 10 years from now, she moves out of the house, right? When she's 20. My oldest son is by then 36. So it is very likely that he will deliver grandchildren back to my house the moment my last child leaves the house. So I'm doomed. I never get out of the diaper circle. I'm doomed or I'm blessed, whatever you want to say. But it's very likely that I will, until the end of my life, will have kids and children and grandchildren and grand-grandchildren in my house. Wow, that is quite an equation you did right there, Yenzi. Uh, see how you're so good at math. <laughs> I know. Wow, wow. Well, today we have, uh, yeah, just a cool dude. Um, Christian Vandevelde joins us today. Uh, Jens and I have, you know, raced with him, raced against him. We're friends, you know, neighbors, uh, compatriots in the commentating booth because you guys both work for NBC. So yeah, sit back and enjoy our conversation with Christian Vandevelde. Okay, well today we have our ex-teammate, uh, friend, neighbor for me, uh, also known as the guy with the best hair on TV. And let me tell you, Jens has already complimented him once. Mr. Christian Vanneveld, welcome to Bobby and Jens. Thanks, boys. It's great to be here. Good to see you, Yenzi. Haven't seen you in a while. And even she, Bobby, I haven't seen you in feel like months as well. And you live like four miles away from me. I, I do not know where this summer went. Um, today was the first day of school for my youngest, Chloe. And it was just a shocker. It was like, wait a second, summer is over. And we have this uh, nice tornado watch that we have in our area right now. So it's just extra depressing. But uh, yeah, we're here to talk about you, Mr. Vandeveld. Um, as you stated, we haven't really seen much of you this year. Um, you've been quite busy. Um, you had the Tour de France, then the Olympics, and now you're doing the Vuelta, correct? Yeah, you're doing the Volta with Bob, but I get to do it at home. So that's that's pretty awesome. I mean, sign me up for that for year round. That's great. I'm done by noon over here. Bob's a little harder. Obviously, he's doing it on the West Coast, so he's getting up early. But yeah, it's been a busy summer, man. Um, I'm happy to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, you got a few more events. No World Championships, for example. You're going to do them as well, I suppose. N no, Yancy, no, actually, we lost the World Championships. So that was usually on the Olympic Channel. So I don't know what happened there. It was just an oversight or or whatever. But I, well, it's still, I got 17 more days of the Walta to go. And hopefully it gets a little bit more exciting. The first two days have been pretty, uh, 
pretty slow pace, let's just say. I know, because I do the same <laughs> job for German Eurosport, and it's like, geez, how many stories can I dig up <laughs> to fill up the day? Like today, I mean, the writing was on the wall, two minutes, 30, three minutes for three riders out there. Of course, they're going to get caught, right? Oh, man, I know, I know. It was an exciting last two kilometers, but until then... Not much happened. Yeah, the 159 kilometers before that, yeah. There's a lot of storytelling. Mm -hmm. and, and I was thinking about it. I came back home and I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk to Jens because I was thinking about all the stories that I got on you from the Tour de France, Bobby. You, you gotta, we got to bring some of those out. I mean, the speeding tickets that I got all the way over here in Greenville from, from Jensy. Oh, we got some good ones, yes. The boot. I I, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, I remember one thing. I remember the car you and Mr. Roll had had every year at least two touches somewhere when parking in or parking out. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's so true. Well, oh. being the only one that doesn't work in the commentating business, um, I kind of take it for granted. You know, I wake up in the morning, I get my coffee going and... There you are, VDV, on, on the screen, or at least your voice is on the screen. I thought it'd be kind of interesting for our listeners, as well as myself, to really understand like this whole world that you guys are in. I mean, it's, it's pretty unique. I mean, you guys, um, obviously, this is a job. You're paid to do it. But like, we really appreciate the effort that you guys put in to bring the signal of these bike races all around the world. But let's like let's start at the Tour de France. Um, tell us like your kind of schedule. I'd like to hear about like your team, how it all works, because you know we flick on the TV and it's there, but it, it can't be that simple, right? No. Uh, well, first and foremost, thanks, Bobby. I appreciate that. Um, but backing up, are we talking about now? It, doing it from Stanford, Connecticut, or are we talking about in France? No, now, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier because we can actually see, you know, see you all the time when you're when you're there live. But yeah, that's another part of the story of how with the the whole COVID thing and you guys having to do it remotely, just kind of give us that that rundown of your your daily run sheet when you are doing the Tour de France up up there in Connecticut remotely. Yeah, so. Last year, and Jens could attest to this as well. I mean, all of us, not, nobody really went. A few, I think a few, there was a couple of skeleton crews that went to the Tour de France last year. Um, but it was, it was a scary place because we didn't know how everything was going to work. For example, Phil Liggett was calling the race from London. Bob was in a sound booth in Connecticut. And then we had Adam Blythe on the motorcycle. Um, Steve Prino was not allowed to go last year, so he, he took his place on the moto. And then myself, Chris Horner, and Paul Burmeister were in the studio right next to Bob, but still, you know, a three-minute walk away. But so we were all kind of discombobulated. We didn't really see each other. And of course, the control booth is another hundred feet down the hallway as well at NBC Sports. Um, but everything worked somehow, you know. And the same thing goes for the Olympics. I mean, that was incredible how NBC pulled all that off. I mean, of course, there's a lot of dis disgruntled people about what they got to see for Olympics. But I'm going off on a tangent. But the Tour de France. Um, actually worked out quite okay, you know, and it was a great show and luckily it was a fantastic race. So it was a, a lot of fun to call. Um, but the, the mornings are early. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So you never see the sunlight. And that's, that's one thing that definitely, you know, those three, 3 AM wake up calls, um, they hurt, you know, and getting in hair and makeup at three 30 in the morning in a suit 
should be banned. You know, I mean, who was wearing a suit in 2020 apart from us, you know, us three knuckleheads. I mean, no one was wearing a suit. Everyone was working remotely was in their pajamas. They didn't even have pants on. And here we are in suits. Uh, so that was, that was strange, you know, and that's somebody who's never really tied to tie, for example. And I think that shows every once in a while as well, but um, that that's where our day starts. It's, you know, crack at dawn, you know, we're, you're leaving and there's still people coming home from the bars across the street, which is always strange. You're having your coffee and you're, you're going to school and the people are piling out of the bar at the same time. Uh, and then just go to NBC. We have a little meeting early in the morning, right around four o'clock in the morning, talk about what we think are the storylines of the day, what happened yesterday, what are we foreshadowing for the future? Um, go to makeup, have a bite to eat. Um, the food is bit, was pretty atrocious, not going to lie, as we couldn't have anything external delivered to NBC. So Horner was getting McDonald's for us. And I can't, and I finally folded after like 10 days, like, yeah, give me that big muffin, man. Just, just pick it up for me. Um, I mean, put, put it this way. It's this early that there's a corner McDonald's right there, right off of on 95 in Connecticut. That is like one of the most heavily trafficked McDonald's in the world. And there's people who are just hammered in line there, right? Cause they're all coming home from God knows where. And one guy just passed out in front of Horner this, this last time in his car and in, in line. So he was late because the guy passed out and he couldn't get his epic muffin and he wasn't going to start the day without it. But you know, that, that's how the kind of the day is just, it's just weird. You just have to go with the flow. Just like if Yenzi, if we were in France, you know, there's always something that's going to happen. Um, you just got to be ready to, to adjust. And um, the only negative part is you don't have the energy, Bobby. And that, that's the biggest difference. You know, you're, you're in a, a massive building. You don't, there's no windows inside, so you don't even can't even look outside. You're not really having that atmosphere of being able to ride the the final of the course to see what it looks like, or even see what the the temperature or the humidity or rain, whatever that may be. Um, but just there's no ambience, so you don't really get that touch and feel that you do in France, for better for worse. You know, there's no commuting for two or three hours on both sides, um, so that's a positive. But at the same time, you're just not there. And for the first time this year. I, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Jens, and I don't know if you're on the same boat as me, but I, I truly kind of miss going to the Tour de France. And, and I never thought I would ever say that ever again, but I, I truly miss it. I miss I miss being there. So hopefully uh, in 2022, we'll be back. I can only agree to that. I miss it too. I mean, yes, it's crazy hours in the car as well to go to the next start or finish line. But um, you always meet, you know, uh, so many old friends, old riders. Tor Hushoft is there, you know, you can have a chat with Sean Kelly. It is just always great to catch up. Fletcher is there, you know, it's great to catch up with the people. And I mean, just the stories on the side, right? Remember that one morning when he wanted to tow away our car? Yes, and, of course. Um, you know, I had to go because I still speak just a little bit of French from my time with the French team. So I tried to smooth things. I know, don't, I, I pay you, but please don't tow the car. You guys had to run to make it in time for the start oh man and all these stories right on someplace these lovely hotels we have like sometimes they're like a little chateau where we all sit on a terrace uh, like at night have a glass of wine and just philosophy about life and the universe we had great moments yeah that's for sure i mean I, and I think what you you nailed it on the head is it's more the perspective just running into someone like tor or you run into sean kelly i mean just icons of the sport um, even like yourself you know it's just it, you now have to pick up the phone it's just not the same you know and, and getting perspective on someone from they have the contingent over the danes we always hang out with the danes a lot of time and we hang with the dutch guys as well and just hearing the perspective of what they think of the race and what they think of what they're seeing from their guys gives you a, a bigger perspective of what's going on of, of 
side of your little fiefdom of American speak, you know? So it really, it, you know, broadens your perspective greatly, you know? And of course, yeah, no matter how pinned and exhausted you are being able to chill out once in a blue moon and have a glass of wine. Yeah. I definitely miss that. One thing that I'm also very curious about is, you know, we see you, we see Chris Horner, we see Paul, um, maybe we don't really see Phil and, and Bob that much. Um, you know, we see uh, Adam Blythe, who I'd love to get your opinion on because, man, he has brought such a really cool vibe to that sport. And, like, he was a total rookie, right? Like, you guys yeah. got him at the last second, and he's turned out to be fantastic. And, you know, along with Bradley Wiggins on on the motorcycle on another network, it's really brought in a very unique sort of feel to to the race but other than those people like how like who else is in your ear talking or how many more people are working to bring this around the world when we were in france yenzi what was it like like 72 75 we yeah had? yep yeah. just about 70 people yes yes and that that bobby that all, that's starting with truck drivers who do the studio in the the truck for all the you know the guys who work in the, inside the truck for the communications um all the way to us. So there, there's a, it's a huge team. Now that we don't have to travel as much, we don't have as big a team, but it's still, you know, we have the tape rerun. We have so much different thing with graphics. And that's why NBC's show is one of the best, if not the best, because we put so much information in, into that show. Um, that It's still 45 people altogether. Wow. It, it's, it, it's a crew, you know, and, you know, fast forward to today when we're doing the Vuelta and we have nobody. And it really shows that you just don't have the same, you know, infotainment going on, you know, the graphics aren't there, the, the replays aren't there, the, all those kind of things that make the Twitter France, the Twitter France just aren't there. But um, yeah, Adam Blythe, you brought up his, he was a fantastic addition. He's such a ham. He absolutely loves being on television. He loves to hear himself talk. He's, he's the best. And he brings a great perspective, especially when it's a sprint stage or we're talking about the Gruppetto. But the best thing that Adam brings is still his friendships and kinships within the Peloton. Who else is out there? And people are saying, giving them high five and saying, well, yo, what's up, Adam? You know, people lose their minds that, you know, all of a sudden the race leader just rolls by and gives them a high five on the way by. So maybe I should stop talking. And maybe you can also uh, tell the people how early we have to be there. If the show, let's say the Tour de France start, the, the stage starts at noon, finishes around five. How long is the working day? Uh, I mean, first God. with the car and then just leave the car out. How long are we actually at the set, man? Tell, yeah. the, tell the viewers or the people you listen how long it is. Yeah, it's a long day. I mean, so a lot of times we'd be there three hours before is usually when they wanted to have a meeting. And the meeting was just, I don't know, meeting. We were just so silly all the times and out of our minds that nothing really got accomplished that meeting anytime. So we just, they want us, wanted to know that we were actually there. And then from there, we go get lunch or this or that. And then by the time we actually get hair and makeup and then change into your polo and then do a set one once or twice before you go on air. And then, yeah, then on the other side, we're the last ones to leave because we had to do a primetime show after the race and do the post show race. A lot of times we weren't out of there till around six o'clock. So on set alone for nine hours and then you, oh yeah, you got to drive 200 to 300 for whatever K to get to your next hotel. So you're not getting, hopefully you get there before sundown, you know, eight or nine o'clock. 10 o'clock sometimes when a long transfer. So it's, it's a, it's a grisly day. You know, when, when someone asked me if they, I want to go to Charleston this afternoon, when I come from the Tour de France, I'm like, 
two and a half hour drive. Yeah, I'll be there in a heartbeat. It's no big deal because you're you're so conditioned to doing these extreme things. I mean, who would commute two and a half hours to work every day? It's totally insane. But you know, you just kind of get used to it, Yenzi. And well, then we got in trouble for driving too fast. So we got drivers a couple of years ago, which we fought about really hard and uh actually became like it was a godsend, wasn't it, Yenzi? It was awesome to get drivers. Yeah, it was because you didn't have to worry about where do I park the car. Yeah, you know, legally, where do I fill up? <laughs> Navigation. You just show up at reception, jump in a car, and he drives. French driver, so he knew the roads. Uh, it was a lot easier, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Just one thing, if I'm allowed to say that. One year, we had this car like a family uh, van, Mercedes, whatever that's called, uh, V-Class, Viano. And all my friends brought their wives and girlfriends and I'm sitting there and counting the seats in the car because I have that car as a family car, right? So I know the, the number of seats and I look at all my colleagues and their girlfriends and wives and went, well, the only logic solution is I get kicked out of the car because then everybody can sit with his wife. I saw that two days ahead and then like the morning of the show they went uh Jens we are so sorry but Jens we thought about it and see the only logic solution is actually you jump in somebody else's car so I got kicked out of my own car so that all the girlfriends and wives could sit in there and, and but it was lovely because I had a chance to ride uh, the car with Paul Shervin and Phil Liggett and it was also good to be in a car with them the we call them the, the GBs because they insisted on bringing their own car from England with left hand driving and they had a GB Great Britain sign on it that's why we called them the GBs yeah yeah right 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 hand side drive but yeah I see what you're saying but yeah Yenzi You got it. You got a bum rap, man. I mean, I, I will say, I mean, Bobby, you don't probably don't know this, but poor Yenzi, he was outside first and foremost, he was on the finish line. So the worst place possible to be. And of course he's Yenz. So everyone's like, yo, Yenzi, you know, from every different language possible. So Yenz is out there signing autographs, saying hi, is trying to be as, just be himself as, as well, you know? And then the race would actually be going on, and this is still going on. Jens has no clue what the hell is going on in the race because he's too busy doing selfies with other buddy and saying hi and giving him heads up. Not to mention it's 105 degrees out there. We're sitting inside air conditioning, all of us. Poor Jens is out there with an the umbrella. And then, of course, we kicked him out of the car, and then we got the boot on the car. Yeah, we, we've got, we got some... Uh, yeah, some bad things happen with Jens, but you always bring the positive mentality. How about when we... Uh, when I? We were early adopters to Waze, Bobby, and I decided that we should take this back roads up into Andorra. And uh, again, we were in station wagons, these Skoda station wagons, and it, it started off right. And then halfway through, I I freaked out because I realized that I saw the writing wall. This is not good. And we were going through fields, and there was wild horses looking into our into our car. And there it was it was like deliverance, you know. I thought there was there's a guy with a banjo playing. It was really getting weird, man. But Yenzi, being the positive man that he is, he's like, "This is the way to go." I'm telling you, we're gonna make it. We're and we're going over bridges. We're bottom out, scraping off the bottom of the car. It was gnarly. Yenzi, I that was one day that I thought I pushed it too far, and I thought Bob Roll truly was gonna kill me. I was I was scared for my life, man. But we made it somehow, and uh, the GBs did beat us. That that made me upset for quite a while, but I got over it. But um, also, gotta remember, it was Paul Burmeister's first to the Frogs. He came from American football, <laughs> and he has never been in a small car like a Skoda. That, that he has never seen a car like that before. And then we went from a big national road in the valley to a smaller concrete road. That 
or like a tarmac road. That went from two lanes to one lane. Then it went to a concrete road. Then it went to gravel in the Pyrenees on the way to Andorra. And then the, the road almost disappeared. And like Christian said, we had like wild horses running here. The sun is going down. Everything. Well, if we turn around, we're going to be home at three in the morning because you got to go all the way around in the valley. So like we, we got to make it. And I thought, look, come on, guys, we can make it. There was a bit of like an old river, like a little muddy. So we walked there to test the ground if our cars would get stuck. And we made it. And then we just came around the corner on the top and we hit it dead end road from the other side so we hit the parking lot and then the road went down on the other side we were never supposed to go up there but we made it and man we were so relieved there was such an adventure and Paul went oh my god we're all gonna die I've never seen this this is crazy this is the most crazy sport I have ever seen you know he, he has I, I don't know if Paul has ever left the US much so it's like first time in French. He doesn't speak the language. Smallest car ever he's in. We go cross country into the wildest. He goes, these people are insane. Where am I? Yeah, I don't know if that's the, the smartest thing to put ex-bike racers behind the wheel of a car rushing, uh, nope. competing to uh, get to a destination. Because uh, especially you, Yenzi, you just kind of tend to put your head down and go for it. Um, just like you did in the breakaway. So, man, oh, man, that's funny. Um and then moving on to the Olympics, Christian, I mean, it was such a hard time difference this year. I mean, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch as much as the Olympics as I normally do. Like, you know, in Rio, it was very similar uh, time difference. So you could actually watch these events live. But um, I remember trying to check in with you a couple times. Tell us a little bit about what it took to do the Olympics, because like that was that was even more extreme than the time difference dealing dealing in France. Uh, let let us know what you had to do to make this happen for us. Oh, Bobby, is that tornado alarm going on? That there? was a tornado alarm. Uh, All Christian, right, Christian All right. and I glad... are we we may fade to black here pretty quick. So. <laughs> I'm glad I'm in my basement. You're you're dead, man. Like get get down. Um, but yeah, no the the time changed 13 hours uh, from the East Coast here in the United States to Tokyo. So. I went there kicking and screaming because I was thinking, oh, my goodness, what have I got myself into? You know, it's so hard, first and foremost, to do any kind of really recon or really look into what the results have been because there hasn't been any results on the track. So the road is easy. That's a that's a layup, especially if you have to do the Tour de France. It's more or less the same riders, the women as well. You know, a lot of them on the track is totally different animals. So going in there a little bit flat footed and you're going to work at midnight, 11 o'clock, and then you come up, come back out of the building at 6 30 7 o'clock in the morning it, it's just completely insane but i will say that i truly enjoyed it i had a freaking blast man because the track racing was so good um of course jennifer valente winning the last event for the women becoming the first american woman ever to win a gold medal was amazing but everywhere in between the the results everywhere all the, all the people breaking world records olympic records left and right um so i really was drinking the kool-aid pretty hard. I got, I got to say, I had, I had a great time. That said, going to bed at eight o'clock and having meals, you know, I ate like all day long, but I never had a meal and I was just so messed up on my time. And I just didn't know where I was at. I mean, but we were all in the same boat. So it really didn't matter. You know, there's all people just coming in there and having a random conversation at, and having your dinner in quotes at like six 30 in the morning, seven o'clock. And then Going to, it was it was a weird time, but um, you know, Olympics brings that energy that no other event in the world brings. And when you have a hotel filled with a bunch of former athletes and you have those conversations, and 
I mean, I ran into Lola Jones in the gym one time and it was just, it's all these kind of things are just always, always like that at the Olympics. And it's, there's no other sporting event that brings so many different disciplines together like that. So it's, it's an honor to be able to call that for NBC. And, um, even though like I was very bummed about doing it in the first place, I, I, I truly had a good time. If you want to get more out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus for less than a dollar a week. You can get a hard copy of Valley News magazine, choose two books a year from VeloPress, access all the premium content from the whole outside family, including Yoga Journal, Peloton Magazine, and Backpacker. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events, as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value every year in one $99 subscription. But if you head to valleynews.com slash outside plus and enter Bobby Jens 25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout, you'll receive our special 25% discount and you make a good deal great. Now, back to our chat with Christian. Now, after the Vuelta, is there anything else on your schedule or are we going to be able to maybe start playing golf again? Oh, man. Thankfully, no. Uh, like I told Jens, we, we don't have the, the world championship any, anymore for Olympic Channel. So um, even though I'm bummed about that, I'm just fine. I mean, with the Olympics, it's it just at the wrong time as well. You know, coming right on the heels of the Tour de France when you're completely exhausted and then you, you get through that. And then, of course, with the time zone this year, it made it really rough. So no, I'm, I'm going to be very content to take a little break from cycling after this because it's been great. You know, it truly has, I, I'm no, no complaints here, but it, it's, it's a lot of cycling, but luckily again, luckily I'm working with Bob Roll. I love the man to death and we have a great time doing that. I remember Bob was always great with him. He was always good for a story, for a smile, for a joke to, you know, to cheer you up. I know he's a great partner to have around. I know. I love him to pieces as well. Yeah, he, he, he misses you too. Paul Burmeister says, hi, Jens. Everyone misses you and the NBC crew. So we're happy that you found your place in uh, German Eurosport, which was always strange. Bobby, for example, we would be sitting here and Jens would be with us on the USA squad. And then all the Germans would come by and we're like, this is so weird. Why is Jens on the US and like what? Anyway, so it's good to see your, you found your, your place over there. And, and Bob, you, you know, Jensi, you, you saw the same world feed that I do for the the Vuelta. And there's not much to talk about, but we saw how many churches and castles in over the last three days. And Bob would start saying about how he needs to repent and how, how many steps it takes to get to the top of that, that church on top of the hill and how he needs all those steps, every one of those steps to repent on the way there to think about his sins. <laughs> just sit, I mean, sit, things like that are just, are just absolutely gold. So thank God it is Bob that I'm working with. Hey, um, we do it only for three hours a day. And I, I, I uh, realized that I can deliver more quality because my mind is fresher than when you do a six-hour stage live. I would tend to burn my best jokes or stories in the first two hours, and I would kind of like fade towards the end because six hours constantly talking, looking at a small screen, because maybe the viewers don't know that. We only see the same thing that the TV viewers see, and then we have to commentate on that. We can maybe research and Google a little bit on the site, 
but we just do see the same pictures like everybody else in the world and then we have to talk on it and everything is live if you do a mistake it's out there you can there's no playback there you cannot delay it right so it's uh, you you focus and after six hours of that you pretty much brain dead by the end so if it's three hours like the welter i believe the quality me or probably us we can deliver is better because you can keep the energy level for three hours high but not for six no way and it really you you have to think of phil liggett when it comes to that jens i mean phil what is phil gonna be 78 i believe and that dude still slings it every year for six hours on end it's incredible what he brings and, and the little nuggets every once in a while the jokes and you have to pay attention to it but it's, he's he's damn funny he still does it and i i don't i still don't understand how maybe that's you know like you always say jens we're only good at one thing you know you're like an f1 car you bring the the bike off there and everything's gonna break maybe that's like phil he could do that so damn well i mean his throws to break things like that are which are so incredibly hard that i'd never appreciate until i did this um, but yeah, somebody like Phil, he is definitely a legend. Six hours on the mic, day in, day out. For how many years? Man. Jeez. Well, I tell you, um, again, it's it's pretty cool to learn what you guys have to go through. And hopefully our listeners, listeners will appreciate what you guys do a little bit more. But um, one question that uh, I don't even know if I know this story, and I've been to your house multiple times. Um, I see that there's a Mark Cavendish jersey uh, behind you framed. Uh, what's the story behind that? <laughs> um, Cav asked to borrow my house in Girona before the world championships. Um, he wanted to do a training camp cause he wanted to be close to David Miller. And so Dave asked me, he's like, Hey, you know, we couldn't Cav use your house. I'm like, of course, you know, I was like, and I told Cav, I was like, he's like, oh, I'll pay you. And don't, don't, you know, don't give me mates rates. I want to pay you what it, what it truly is worth. I'm like, please, don't worry about it. I just want a world championship jersey after you win. And I was just so confident in his form that year and um, the way he won in the Tour de France. And I just, we just, we all love Calf, right? I mean, he's a fiery little bastard. And he's a, it's, but I, that's all I asked for. And so, of course, he, he goes on and he wins in Denmark that year. Den, was it Denmark? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so the Denmark. And then I, I chased him around. I was like, Hey, you little fucker. You know, the only thing I really asked for was that Jersey, you know, and uh, he's, Oh yeah, mate, mate, I'll get it to you. I'll get it to you. And then of course he signs a, a beautiful inscription, you know, saying to Christian, you know, uh, nicest guy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he, and he sticks like a, a bunch of, cause he, him and his buddies, I think they had a pretty good time in the house. Let's put it that way. Cause a lot of they're like half of the wine glasses were gone. I don't know where they went to, but they were gone. And Lee was all upset, you know, like, ah, the calf, you know, like I was like, but it was clean anyway. So he puts a bunch of cash in the pocket and gives me the Jersey. So yeah, calves, calves, a standup guy. So that's a definitely a keepsake to keep in that, keep in my house for the rest of my life. Well, I think that's enough of uh, talking cycling and jobs uh, for the day. You know, you guys need to recover as well. Um, I wish I could say, let's go out and play golf. But with this hurricane uh, or tornado warning that we have right now, that's not going to happen. But Christian, thank you for, for joining us on Bobby and Jens. We really appreciate it. And um, yeah, only 17 more days to go before we see you again, right? Oh, it's going to be close. But I, I have to, I'd be remiss if I don't bring up one little story about Jens. Yenzi, oh. I asked you. Oh, there's your. You're, you are in the crosshairs, aren't you, Bobby? Technical difficulties, <laughs> folks. Technical difficulties. So, so <laughs> I asked Yenzi to pick up Leah from Charles Agal, and from Charles Agal, this is before the tour started because this is the year that I think that my car or Yenzi and I car 
um, broke the record for the most tickets ever during the Tour de France. And on the first day, so this is Wednesday, um, before the Tour de France started, he picked up Leah from Charles Gall, and all he had to do was drive to Utah Beach. It was about, what, three-hour drive, Yenzi, three and a half hours, yeah, something like yeah, that? Yeah, about that. Four tickets. Four tickets, four, four flashes on the way. So I got, I think, 28, I want to say, to Greenville, South Carolina tickets everywhere from you know two because they'll they'll flash you for three kilometers over i think all the way to we had some we had some hefty ones they're they're pretty serious you know it was i don't i'm not going to say how fast they were but they're they're expansive but yeah yenzi he had a knack it's almost like he saw the flash and accelerated at them <laughs> and then slowed down after he went by the flasher yenzi you have anything to say about that uh unfortunately all i can say is good year's charge i had a very <laughs> terrible year i collected every possible ticket it was just unreal i know like you said i'm like i'm paying attention for half an hour then i'm losing my patience i just go faster for like five minutes and there's the next flash around the corner i know i had a lot of them but to my uh, defense we had a super posh mercedes convertible with like 450 brake horsepower it was so easy to go fast in that thing. And it had good brakes as well. It was the fastest car I've ever had because, you know, I had early kids in my life. So all my cars were family cars, like station wagons, right? Or vans. I never had a car going that fast. So I was like, oh my God, this is actually quite nice. Oh, yes. Well, I, I appreciate it. For every from, from getting that boot off our car, wherever the heck we were that one time. So I appreciate that. And then bringing my... My backpack when I rode my bike to the, the finish line. So thank you very much. We miss you, Yenzi. And Bobby, miss you as well, man. Maybe that golfing after this, uh, hopefully we don't flood or the roof doesn't come off in a couple hours. Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, Christian, we'll let you get back at it. Thanks again. And um, yeah, like you said, let's play golf. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Well, that's all the time we have for this week. And a huge thank you to Christian Vandeveld for being our guest. Thanks for listening. And please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. This show was a Velo News production in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne. And this episode was edited by Tim Moza. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us. I gotta say, one of my favorite parts of training on Zwift is the community. Whether it's riding with new people you meet on the platform or riding with old teammates, the people that Zwift connects you with push you harder than you could ever push yourself, let alone when it's just you on the trainer, in your garage, or your pain cave somewhere. My next favorite part is the training. Training is a huge part of Zwift. There are literally hundreds of customizable training plans you can choose from, and every workout is an immersive experience that can take you from Zwift's world-class climbs to the streets of London, New York, and even to a new Japanese-inspired world. Those are just a few of the nine unique worlds you can explore. Many times, I find myself just riding around, checking out the sights and seeing new little Easter eggs they've hidden in the game. When I'm riding on one of the UCI championship courses or in the jungle on the gravel roads or inside a volcano, I'm just taking it all in. Time seems to fly by, but I still manage to get a great workout in every time. 
If you want to compete in races that put your training to the test and see if you're headed in the right direction, you can. There's a new event starting every five minutes, including massive group rides, races for every category, and time trials. Right now, you can join the Fun is Fast event series with training rides, races, and thousands of other riders from around the world to chase. It's really never been easier to find your fun training indoors. I love it. All you need to get started is a bike, a trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Zwift, where fun is fast.